Hey everyone, Becky from The Shift Team here, and we're back with a new mini episode to help everyone with some quick lessons to get great ideas and tools for gymnastics. This week's mini podcast episode is a sneak peek of our brand new Hero Lab guest lecture, Daily Gymnastics Specific Conditioning, which was released this week. This month's guest lecturer is Taylor Townsend, part of the Shift Movement Science team. She is head floor and beam coach at a gymnastics club in North Carolina, working with pre-team through to level 10. In this episode, Taylor covers building gymnastics strength through consistency, progressions and regressions for eight key exercises, four different types of conditioning, and a tracker for individual conditioning. Hey guys, this is Taylor from Shift Movement Science, and today I will be doing a presentation for the Hero Lab on daily gymnastics-specific conditioning. So a little bit about myself, I am a gymnastics coach in North Carolina. I work with Dave and the Shift Movement Science team as the quote-unquote numbers person. I'm the head coach for beam and floor for all my compulsory and optional gymnasts, and I'm lucky enough to get the opportunity to be hands-on with all the levels in my gym, so I work with pre-team all the way through my nines and tens. And then you'll see in the top right corner is Miss Lila, and she will be helping us just demonstrate some of our strength exercises today. So there's four main types of conditioning that I use in my practice. The first one is going to be general strength training. And this is going to be kind of your global movement patterns that are really important for any athlete, not just specific to gymnastics. So you would see some of these exercises done by soccer players, basketball players, football players, just overall important for global strength. Now, depending on the season is how often we do these. Typically in the off season, we have done three days in the past. In season, we're typically down to one day. Kind of depends on your gym, your season, where you guys are at with that. But we use a lot of weight for this. So this is where we kind of bring out our dumbbells and progressively increase the weight as the kind of off season goes on to increase strength. The second one is event-specific conditioning. So typically we do this when we go to the event. On beam, you're going to see a lot of ankle stability, a lot of calf work, a lot of single leg balance work. We use TheraBands, small weight balls, balance boards. When you go to bars, you would probably see a lot of TheraBand work. Opening and closing shoulder actions, important for kipping and circling skills. Vault, you might see a lot of sprint specific conditioning floor, maybe a lot of punching conditioning. So in my specific gym, we typically wait till we get to the event and that maybe that's part of the warm up for that event, those specific conditioning movements, but those are pretty event specific for gymnastics. And the third one, which is what I'm going to be talking about today in more detail is the daily gymnastics specific conditioning that we do. And then the fourth one is more individual plans, prehab, PT stuff. So this is very individualized. If you have a kid that's recovering from maybe a rolled ankle, you might see a lot of ankle stability, ankle strengthening. They might have kind of an individual program for their conditioning or an individual program based on where their weaknesses are at with some of their skills. So like I said, today's focus will be on daily gymnastics specific conditioning but I did want to highlight where you can find some other resources on the other three types of conditioning that I use in the gym. 
So the first one, like I've already discussed, is going to be the general conditioning. These are your global movement patterns. And I would highly, highly recommend Shift Movement Science's Peak Gymnastics Power Course. This can be uh, found on our website. It is available for purchase. It is really, really thorough and detailed about kind of all the movement patterns, how you would set up your global conditioning, your general conditioning program from, you know, point A all the way through the entire season. So that's where I would go for any of those resources. Now, the we also have a flexibility blueprint course. I know this is not technically conditioning, but it kind of follows the same pattern of it breaks it up to a really simple way for you to develop flexibility and mobility in a lot of your athletes. So those were two courses that are available on our website that I would highly recommend you look into as a coach. Now on the gymnastic specific side, another resource is Nick Ruddick has a daily dozen resource and it is basically 12 different movement patterns that he does every day in the gym. He also has some videos on that. So I would check that out as well. In terms of events specific, the Shift Movement Science Instagram does have quite a few drills on it that are pretty specific to some skills. And then I also put my Instagram on there. I do post quite a bit uh, drills and some of the conditioning that we're doing in the gym that might be helpful to you. And then on the prehab side, we actually have new prehab guides that just went out. Again, you can find those on our website. Super easy resource. I was able to print them off and I just stuck them in a binder. In our gym, there is, I believe, a bunch of different uh, categories in terms of kind of what body part you might need to prehab. And we have an A day, a B day, and a C day. So a a variety of exercises for for any athlete. And it's been helpful for me if I have a kid that maybe needs a little bit of a break or might need to work on a specific body part that they can go in the binder and find something to work on. So in terms of the daily conditioning that I do with my athletes, I have eight different categories that I use. And these are pull-ups, leg lifts, rope climbs, press handstands, candle positioning, handstand hold, shoulder conditioning, and cast a handstand. Now, these are just what I use. You could obviously change this up, come up with your own based off where you feel like your athletes might need a little bit more strength in that specific area. You will see that this is pretty core and arms heavy. We do typically hit a lot of legs, lower body development on the events such as vault, floor, and small stabilizing muscles on beam. Um, But every day, these are what I've found most important for my athletes to make sure we're getting in that I can kind of see directly correlate with a lot of their skills. So where did I get these categories from? The first one is I do have a TOPS program at my gym. And if you're not from the U.S., um, might be a little confusing, but it is basically a beginning elite track program for USAG. And they do have a specific set of conditioning requirements and tests that are tested to be a part of the program. So a lot of the movement patterns from the following slide came from that TOPS conditioning. The second one is, like I discussed, Nick Ruddock's Daily Dozen, which is something that I would highly recommend you look into as well. And then the third one is just weakness and skill development. Saw a lot of maybe lack of strength in the shoulder uh, elevation and depression, kind of that shoulder shrug movement and block. So that was something that I incorporated into the program as well.
So now I'm going to talk about progressions versus regressions. For every base exercise, such as the pull-up, I have a list of regressions and a list of progressions. The regression would be if the athlete cannot do that base skill yet. So if we use the pull-up as an example, if your athlete cannot hang in a completely straight line and pull their chin to the bar with clean form, then we would do a regression. So if they cannot do that, then we'll have a regression exercise for them. Now, these are simplified steps to help them get up to being able to do that base skill with correct form. It's important that I note to the girls, and I obviously tell you in this presentation that this is not a punishment at all. A lot of these athletes are type A kids and kind of hearing the word regression or that they have to go back is, is not something that they always want to hear. But I always highlight that every athlete has their strengths and weaknesses. I have kids that can sit in a complete pike and climb their way up the rope multiple times without using their legs, but they also struggle to do a press handstand. Like I said, everybody has strengths and weaknesses, and these regressions are tools that are going to help them get to that base skill. Then we have progressions, which is on the other side. Going back to the pull-up, if your athlete can do a completely straight body pull-up with clean form, then we'll move into something that will challenge them more. Especially my girls, they love being challenged in the gym. They thrive off of being pushed. So especially with these progressions, right, we want to make sure the kids are constantly building off their strength base. Great if they can do one pull-up now, where can we go from that and what can we change up to challenge them? You'll also see in the next slide, a lot of these progressions are the same movement pattern, but they're going to vary in kind of what I'm asking them to do. This is just to give them a little variety and change it up. You know, pull-ups are not the most exciting exercise we could say, but if we add different challenges, add different hand movements, add different weight in different settings, it kind of tricks their brain into thinking maybe they're doing something a little bit different, even though they're still working the same muscle. So this is an example of what you are going to find in the Hero Lab. It is printable, which is really nice. You can stick it in a binder so you can kind of always go back and reference it. This was my example. So the pull-up is the first exercise we have here. So on the left side, you'll see all the regressions. So your athlete cannot do a pull-up. Then we're going to start with a chin hold. So they're just holding their chin above the bar. Then we progress that to, you can see in the picture, a piked chin hold. Obviously, more challenging than a chin hold. Then we'll move on to boxed pike pull-ups. So this will be, they'll have their heels on a box. A lot of their weight is supported. So they're only kind of lifting a portion of their body weight for pull-ups. Then after that, we'll have them jump up and they'll slowly lower themselves down. Um, this is actually a really good exercise in both grips. You can do normal grip or kind of reverse grip for a chin-up and then banded pull-ups. Using a TheraBand, they'll have their feet in it. Again, a lot of their body weight is supported by the band. So they're able to do more reps with correct form. Hopefully at that point, you now have a clean pull-up or you've worked your way up to a clean pull-up. And then you'll see on the right side is the progressions, right? We have a good pull-up, so how can we challenge them? So I have them do mixed grip. We have them do pull-ups with holding their feet in a pike. We have them do weighted pull-ups. We'll have them do pull-ups where they go up for a really slow count of three and down for a really slow count of three. We'll have them do pull-up pullovers. We'll have them pull up and they'll switch their grip before they let their chin drop below the bar. So again, these are all working the same muscle, but they're all different challenges that provide them to continue to, to build that muscle in a more exciting fashion, we could say, than just keep adding, you know, okay, you could do a pull-up, now do two pull-ups, now do five pull-ups, which great to give them 
numbers as they feel like they're progressing, but also my kids do enjoy kind of the challenge of trying something new. So another thing you'll find in the Here Lab is what I use, which is my daily conditioning tracker. So kind of how you use it is you'll go ahead and write that athlete's specific exercise you will have them do. So for example, the pull-up, let's say they don't have a pull-up yet. So we'll write a piked chin hold uh, under pull-up. And then the bubbles, they can use, I mean, I've gotten stickers before. We've done check marks. We've just colored in the bubbles different colors. So they'll go through and every day that they complete their exercise, they will check it off, color it in, start, whatever they want to do. Now, it's important to note that they're only checking these off if they complete the exercise. Let's say for leg lifts, the exercise is a hanging pike hold for 20 seconds. Now, if they come down at 15 that day, they do not get to color in their bubble, we could say. Reason for that being is we want to make sure that they're actually completing the assignment, not just doing it halfway and then coloring it in. So if they complete the assignment given to them, they'll be able to color in their bubble. Now, when you're creating this, we want to make sure we're giving them exercises that we know that they can complete. Um, If we have a kid that can't do a press handstand uh, uh, yet, I'm not going to write three press hands in a row or else we're going to get defeated. We're not going to be able to sticker any of our sheet. And that's when we kind of get some frustration. So we'll look at where they're at conditioning wise. And we'll write something that we pretty positive that they could do or kind of right at that threshold of it's challenging, but with effort, it can be accomplished. Now, what's fun about this is when they color in all their bubbles, and this is done daily, so about two to three weeks is typically if they do it every day and they come in, when we'll see they start to finish up their bubbles, they get an upgraded assignment and they'll get a new sheet. Again, it's important to make sure that we're only coloring in if we can do the exercise, right? We don't want to give them something upgraded if they can't even do what's being assigned of them at the moment, but they do really like doing this. It's kind of a visual for them to be able to see how close they are to be getting something different, something more difficult, an upgraded skill or upgraded assignment. So I use this every day when they come in and they have thoroughly enjoyed kind of watching themselves progress from each conditioning sheet with more challenging exercises. So why this system works really well for me So the first thing is I have consistency with my expectations. So they know that these are the eight categories of conditioning that we're going to do every day. Form-wise, here's my expectations with them, and here's the goal. So if we use the press handstand as an example, they know their goal is for everyone to be able to do a full press handstand from their bottom. And that kind of moves into my second point on why this works well. It's because it works well across all levels. So We'll go back to my pull-up example that I used. So pre-team, we're all doing chin holds. We're all doing pike chin holds. We're all doing box pull-ups. All the way through my level nines and tens that are doing weighted pull-ups, multiple pull-ups in a row, pull-ups with mixing their grip before dropping their chin. So the whole system works from my you know three and four-year-olds that are just starting off all the way through the nines and tens. Another reason is time-wise, it's actually pretty quick and efficient. So there's eight categories. So there's eight exercises. And once they get the hang of it, it it truthfully doesn't take that much time. Number four is form and body shape check-ins. I do weekly check-ins with them and I'll pick one category. So for example, Monday is their check-in. The category will be rope climb. So they will have to show me whatever their assignment is for rope climb. 
And that's just a good way for me to make sure, okay, we're still doing this with the right form. We're still showing tight knees, pointed toes. We're still showing progress with our strength. They do, the level sixes and up do this on their own every day. So it's a good way for me to just make sure we're still following the correct steps and still have the right form in place. Lastly, it is individualized. So athletes can kind of have help where it's needed, but be challenged when it's required for them. Works well because you might have a level 10 that can knock out, you know, 12 perfect half leg lifts, but struggles with a rope climb. And that's something where the sheet can kind of meet her needs where she's at and help her continue to develop with her strength. So what you'll find in the Hero Lab is the first thing is the eight printable templates that have all the progressions and regression for each body movement for our daily gymnastics strength. The second one will be the tracker that I use with my optional level athletes that make the exercises more individualized. And then the third is going to be a video with the exercise demonstrations. So there are about 85% of the exercises listed in the templates in the video. Of course, if you have any questions about what something might be or need clarification, you can always reach out to me. I do have my contact information at the end and happy to answer any questions about that. So lastly, I just wanted to go over some common problems and troubleshooting. The first one is going to be limited time. I would highly suggest you keep it really simple. The system within itself is pretty simple. There's only eight different categories, therefore giving you eight different exercises. I try not to go over 10 different exercises. I think that is kind of my max that I've done before. I felt like eight was a pretty good number for me and my athletes to get stuff done in a timely manner. The second is stay organized. So I have a binder for our daily conditioning. In the front of the binder, it will be all the printable templates with each exercise with the progressions and regressions. And then behind it will be all their individualized assignments. Now with that comes my third point, which is stay consistent with it. We do ours the same time of practice every time they come in. So we do cardio, usually their general strength or whatever their strength is for that day. Then we do a full team warm-up, and then they know right after they get water, right when they come back, they go into the binder, they get their sheet, and they get started. That consistency, it kind of eats up a lot of the time if you have confusion. We don't know what's going on. We don't know when we're supposed to be doing it, what is being asked of us. So I found with being organized, keeping it all in one spot, staying consistent, we're able to get it done in a very timely manner. And then the last one is set a timer. My max time with this is typically 10 to 12 minutes. At the beginning, you'll see that just as they start to find out what the exercises are and they're trying to get equipment, they'll eat up a lot of their own time. As soon as they come back from water after they warm up, they know that we're getting right into our daily strength training and the timer starts at that point. Depending on how many kids I have the day of the week, what their assignment is, we typically have 10 to 12 minutes and they know that they have to get their stuff done within that time. And they, and they will move to meet, to meet that time constraint, or at least my girls will move because we have some frustration if, you know, they know that their strength training was not complete for that day and they didn't get to sticker their sheet or didn't get to color in a bubble. Kind of that physical sheet gives them a good view of where they're at. So they want to be able to put a sticker on their sheet. Even, even at 15, 16 years old, they want to be able to sticker their sheet. So they'll move to meet that, that time constraint for you. Now, the next one is limited equipment. So I did run into an issue myself with the rope climb. So we only have two ropes. And I know some gyms might only have one rope. 
I know some gyms might not have any ropes. So with the rope climb being a staple exercise for us, we had long lines, lots of kids waiting for the rope. Now, two situations that have helped me with this. I created an A day and a B day. So my sevens and up are an A day, for example, and they know that that's the day they do their rope climbs. And then their B day, they're still going to do a pulling exercise, but it might not be using the actual rope. So that's kind of how we've solved a little bit of that issue with limited equipment. I also encourage the girls all to start in different spots. So if the rope climb is kind of what I struggle the most with is on level sevens and up sheet on a day, I would highly encourage them not all to start on the rope or else we're going to get a line or how my kids have done it is they have numbers. So let's say there's eight kids that need to climb the rope. They'll number themselves off one through eight and they'll go work their other assignments, their other seven exercises. And as soon as number one does their rope assignment, she'll call over number two. So as soon as number two, so we don't have long lines. We don't have people just standing there waiting. They're working while they're waiting for their turn. So that has worked well for me as well. And then also kind of joke at the bottom, sharing is caring. You know, if I have a bar set with a low and a high bar, I could have up to six kids on a bar, typically throw three on the high bar, three on the low bar, you know, two on each side, one in the middle, the low bar, the girls just bend their knees, keep their chest in. But I know if we don't have kind of that equipment accessible, I would try the A day and B day. And I would encourage them to either number themselves out, number themselves off or start in different spots. The last point is limited coaches, level six and up. They kind of organize themselves. I'm there for those form check-ins. I'm there to make sure people are staying on task and meeting the time constraints, but they they run it themselves. They know where to go. They know where to get their sheets. So that's not too much of a concern for me. I have 17 to 20 kids at, at one time by myself doing this and they do stay on task. And the compulsory kids, we do these exercises all together, which I know limits individualization, which is one of the um, important parts of this, but it's more important for me to have the proper form and the proper spotting done when necessary for those younger age grouped kids. For them, we all do it together. So if we're doing pull-ups, we'll all make, you know, two, three lines and we all pop up first people chin hold or pull-ups, or pike chin hold, whatever the exercise for that group is. And we try to move consistently as a group with strength. So we'll try kind of a regression for two weeks, and then we'll try to keep moving our way up until we can all do the exercises as a group. So lastly, for more information, happy to chat in more detail. You can find me on Instagram. You can email me, DM, email, any questions that you might have or need any clarifications on any of the exercises or any of the videos or have questions about the programming, always happy to help. Feel free to reach out and I hope you guys enjoyed this presentation. Hopefully you enjoyed this mini podcast episode. If you would like access to the daily gymnastics specific conditioning, PDFs and PowerPoint presentation with all the videos, head over to the Hero Lab and access the tools to change gymnasts' lives.
Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to that episode. I hope that you really enjoyed it and got a lot of value out of it. I just want to let you know before we sign off here that a couple things we'd love for you to do. So one is please just make sure that you rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you're listening, because that really does help the episode grow quite a bit. And then second, if you really enjoyed this episode, we would love if you left us a review as well and told us what you liked about it. You know, what information was useful, what things were not useful, would you like to know more about, what guests you want to have on in the future. And then also as you kind of go about your day, if you found something really useful, just toss it up on social media. We love to hear from people on Instagram or Twitter or, you know, all the different websites that they're using for social media. Facebook is great too. But yeah, let us know what you like because honestly, the podcast comes from people who just tell us what they're finding useful and that's how we create the next set of content. So yeah, tag us in the podcast or tag us online, whatever you're doing it and uh, let us know what you think. Thanks.